Well, good morning. So we begin this morning, just a, a reminder, you can uh, follow along in your Uversion app on your smartphone uh, for our outline, as well as scripture passages and, and poll questions. But today is a, a special day for, for me, uh, as well as for Corey. Today, is Corey here somewhere? There she is. She won't even stand up. It is our 12th year anniversary today. It was, a, it was a great day 12 years ago. We got married in northwest Michigan. Um, and uh, it was, uh, you know, of course, June 2nd. Thought it would be really nice and warm. Uh, we had an outdoor reception. I think it was around 40 degrees. Um, well, uh, as you can imagine, not many people st- stayed around for a while. I don't know if that was good or bad. Maybe it was good. Um, but we had a, a wonderful day with family and friends and just that community uh, around us. But when it comes to, uh, to our lives and, and those special moments, it's nice to have a community around us. It's also important that we have uh, that community around us in all life's events, even in, in tragedies. See, a community is essential, essential for our lives. And I was talking recently with uh, one of our life group members who was uh, in the hospital and and just remarked how thankful he was for their life group, for their support, encouragement, making the meals and so forth. And I just thought that was a great testimony to to hear. But asking you, uh, how about you? How do you have a community around you? That uh, when in those joys and also in those tragedies, do you have a community that truly loves and supports you? You see, recently some statistics have have shown the the opposite, um, that we are drifting more and more into isolation. You see, uh, in in the latest, even in the latest uh, census that was recorded, uh, there was 5.7 million people who were anonymous even to the census takers. Uh, a senior analyst uh, I read also said in, the, in this new age of high-tech communication that we are terminally in touch, yet we are, many people live alone. Uh, the, uh, the, actually, the size of the family has gone from 4 to 2.6. I don't know how they get the 2.6, the, the but uh, it has decreased. At the same time, our houses have expanded. Larger rooms, larger spaces. And it says that uh, on the average, people spend six hours alone each day. The Alban Institute also says that we are experiencing the cultural trend of bowling alone. Actually, I have a friend that has the bowling.com website. I just thought I'd let you know. I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, see, the American College of Bowling, the, the Congress for it, and I can't believe that they even have a Congress for it, but people are bowling, they say people are bowling more than ever, more than ever, but they're bowling alone. You see, the, the, the Lone Ranger mentality has overridden this, uh, the, the team mentality. Lastly, uh, a recent... Poll in Europe has, has said that 
people who have no social life uh, are 50% more likely to die early than, and, uh, than who are well-connected. And for the reality of Scripture, it rings true. Uh, it is not good for man to be alone. This also hit uh, home for me personally. I was talking with a, uh, a ministry leader in Salina who was telling me uh, just uh, broken, just uh, for the lack of community, the lack of togetherness, the lack of friendships in his life, utterly lonely. And I think as, as pastors, I think sometimes that's more of the case. See, the truth is that this is an epidemic in our culture, and each of us deal with it. And we, we may, in response, we need to strive for greater intimacy, greater community within not only this church, but in our community in general. And the church is supposed to be the, the family, the family of God, the body of Christ, a living and breathing community. But where are we missing the mark? And not striving for greater community. How can we be more intentional as a community within and outside these walls? Well, I'm excited today because we are kind of striving to, to hit this um, piece of information that we're the, the idea of being isolated. Today we're going to be starting a, a series, a sermon series this summer, strictly on community. And my prayer is that this is not something that we just listen to on Sunday mornings, but I pray that this is something that we would truly live out as a church, as the people of God. That we ourselves would get out of our comfort zones, meet others and build a community and intimacy within the relationships here. And I hope that no matter if this is your first Sunday or you've been coming to here, here for years, my prayer is that this summer you would truly connect with others. You see, uh, we're going to be looking at the one another's in, in the New Testament. And the, in the New Testament, there are 50 one another commands, such as uh, serve one another, pray for one another, admonish one another, greet one another, bear with one another. And so as we look at these one another's this summer, I hope that we strive personally and corporately to live these out. Well, as we start this new series, I also want to uh, point out a verse that I hope that will be our vision and a goal and guide as well. It's from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. It says, Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, as we look at these one another's this, this summer, I hope and, and pray that this is, not, this is uh, something that we will do, that we will imitate first Christ, that he has loved us. And he calls us to imitate him. That we would love, that we would admonish, that we'd greet, that we'd bear, that we would serve as Jesus Christ has done for us. And so we would imitate him. 
But as we think about these commands and these uh, and so forth, I, I, the question is, where do we start? Where do we even begin? And I would say that I really what what as we look and embark upon this uh, sermon series, what overarches all these commands is our topic today is love. To love one another. That whatever we do for one another, when we serve, when we care and so forth, it would be seen as love. We're called to love one another. Always begin, let's, let's start in a word of prayer. Lord, gracious God, thank you that you are a loving God. Thank you that you love each person here. God, draw them closer to yourself. May they know the extent and the generosity of your love for them. God, help us to also imitate you, to love one another. Bless this time in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we think about this first command, uh, honestly, to love one another sounds easy. It sounds simple, doesn't it? All we need is love, right? Well, but to truly love others, loving those who are needy for our time and attention, loving those who may differ from you, loving those who even hate you, is truly difficult. And I know personally that I am uh, the kind of person that, that uh, um, again, if you're like me, it's a struggle to love others. Because our first focus is ourselves, isn't it? We come before our neighbor. Because if it were up to us who we are to love, it would be easy. We'd love those who are easy to love. We'd love those who, who are similar to us. It would be hard to truly love others who differ. But so how do we love others? I would say before we can truly love one another, we need to know the source. For if loving others was truly up to our, strength, our own strength, we'd fail. See, 1 John 4, 7 points to the source. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. But the passage continues and says, For love comes from God. So as this verse reminds us, yes, we are called to love one another. But before we can even ponder and think about how we can truly love others, we need to know the source. That love doesn't start with us. It starts with God himself. For he is the basis, he is the foundation of how we are to love others. Verse 8 confirms this as well. It says uh, simply, God is love. Now keep in mind that this isn't an idea that... um, This idea doesn't simply mean that God is loving, which is true. And it also isn't saying that one of God's activities is that uh, God is to love us, even though that is correct as well. You see, you don't want to miss this. What, What this truly means is that God's soul identity is wrapped in love. His essence, his distinctiveness over everything else is love. God is positively unique because at the core, love is what sets him apart. 
God's character, His personality and heart is love. God is love. Well, my daughters love rocks. And uh, what they like to do is they like to gather all the rocks. And I brought one today. They're not small little rocks. And so I always find these uh, around and piled up somewhere. And usually where I find them is in, in the yard when I mow the lawn. <laughs> so uh, we might need the blade sharpened a little bit more often. Well, the reason I, I, I brought this rock here, because I think it represents something. We can use uh, a rock to make a path. We can use a rock to, to build a wall. And, uh, you know, we can also enjoy some of the uh, attributes that rocks can do. I mean, if you, we use different elements from rocks from different things that we use each day. But at its core, its identity, what is a rock? And the same is with God. We enjoy his presence, his power, his faithfulness, even his rebuke. And we may see these things as, as who God is and so forth. But these are only responses to what is at the core of who God is. For God is love. His identity is love. And what's amazing is that God's love isn't just a philosophical idea. It isn't just a dormant object. It's not just a hypothetical conclusion. Rather, love was a person. Love was Jesus Christ. You see, God first created us out of love. And because of our own sin and inability to love God perfectly, we were separated from a holy and loving God. But God himself came down to us. Love came down and modeled for us what it means to truly love others. And then he showed the generosity and the extent of his love by dying on the cross for you and for me to create a way that we can have an internal relationship with the living and loving God. 1 John 3.16 summarizes this as well. It says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus' death and, and resurrection is the most beautiful expression of his love. And we can say with confidence that the person of Jesus Christ has given us indispensable evidence of the Father's love for us. For Jesus is the unveiling of God's heart to us. So before you can think about loving others, we need to go back. We need to go back to the source. Do you know that God is the source of your love? Have you looked to Him for strength, for courage, for confidence, for wisdom as you seek to love others? Or are you still trying to love, God, love others by your own strength? See, the amazing thing is that when we truly love others, others will be drawn to that source by the way that you treat them. When you provide for things uh, that have no expectation of return, 
God's love will shine through you and through me. His love will be evident by our words of encouragement, by, un, uh, by our understanding, by our compassion, caring, and our willingness to help in, the, in their time of need. But are you looking to the source? Well, in order to kind of visualize this this morning, I, so you probably walked in this morning saying, what is this giant heart doing over by the cross? And so I thought it would be a good visual for us to remind, remind ourselves, what's the source of our love? It starts with God himself. It starts with Jesus Christ who laid down his life and, and died generously and sacrificially for you and for me. That is the source. Know the source of your love. Well, I'm guessing that um, in your years that you have one time sent or received a, um, a, uh, a Hallmark card. Maybe you've been to Kansas City to see the Hallmark Museum. Um, and what I found is I recently found some rejected Hallmark cards. You know, they want to send the very best. So I found some rejected cards. So I thought I'd share them with you today. First one is, I've always wanted to have someone to hold, someone to love. Ah. After having met you, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I think they got fired for that one. Well, the next one is, as you grow older, Mom, I think of all the gifts you've given me. Sounds great, doesn't it? Like the need for therapy. We have been friends for a very long time. Sounds great. What do you say we call it quits? <laughs> well, last one is, I'm so miserable without you. It's almost like you're here. <laughs> well, I think they're rejected because they didn't send the very best. Uh, probably... Sending the very worst. Um, but rather as followers of Jesus Christ. And when we know that God is the source of our love. Isn't it true that we want to send the very best? We want to love the very best. And our desire to love others changes us. Because the truth is when we accept that free and gracious gift of Jesus Christ. God's love then resides in us. God's love then is in us. And that when we love others, it is evidence that Christ is in us. Honestly, one of the um, greatest compliments I've ever received was someone I had just met. Or someone that, I, um, that was just observing me for a few minutes. And they asked me just a question. They said, are you a Christian? I don't know if anyone has ever done that to you. It was a great compliment to me. As I was thinking about that too, I was thinking, oh, there's probably some people I've met that maybe have thought the opposite as well. Um, but the truth is, though, when we love others, it expresses 
that Christ is living in us. 1 John 4.16 also says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. See, what is John saying here? He's saying that when our actions are loving, it reflects that God's love resides in us. And once we know that, that he is the source of our identity in Christ, people will know who we are by our love. And when we identify ourselves with Christ and attempt to love others, we acknowledge that we are then his disciples. Verse 7 affirms this as well. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. For when we truly love God, we are an example that we know him. At the same time, verse 8 warns us. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And we might want to dance around this passage. But the question remains. Are we not loving others because we still do not know the source? We still do not have Jesus Christ living in and through us. Are you sure of your salvation? See, consequently, we may be still trying to love others by our own strength. And we cannot generally love others unless the Holy Spirit dwells within us to give us the power, to give us the ability to give us the compassion to truly, truly love others. See, when Christ, I believe when Christ is in us, He will give us that compassion, that willing to love others. First John 4.12 also says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love God, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. In other words, when we love others, we not only affirm that Christ is living on us, but His love manifests in us even deeply, more deeply. He gives us the power to become more loving persons. So I wanted to ask you today, have you ever just asked that question of God, asked that, that prayer uh, to Him? Lord, help me to love others. Lord, help me, maybe even more simply, help me to love. When, If you think that you're not that loving of a person, have you even asked that question, prayed that prayer, saying, God, help me to love? Well, as we continue in our, our kind of visual today, as we know that God is the source of our love, it becomes a part of us. God's heart then becomes our heart. His uh, desires become our desires. His compassion for others becomes our compassion. Our heart truly changes. It's a kind of a holy transfer that God's heart then becomes ours. Well, Valentine's Day, as we talk about love, Valentine's Day is then and gone. Um, you can start 
Maybe you can start planning now if you failed last February. But I found a few statistics that were kind of interesting. Said we spend as a country $13.19 billion on Valentine's Day. And 180 million Valentine's Day cards, messages of love, um, are sent annually. And interestingly, too, uh, 85% are bought by women. I thought it would be the other way around. Now, there's a, there's a statistic here for you single guys. I want to give you a, like almost a year's heads up, okay? 53% of uh, women will break up with you if you don't send them some kind of message of love on that day. So plan now. 53%. Well, Valentine's Day is a day of to send a love message. And I know we're not talking about romantic love. We're talking about God's love, His sacrificial, unconditional love. But we are still messengers, though, of His love. And as we know that God is the source and that, that, that uh, also His love resides in us, we are then called to be His messengers. To share the love of Christ to those that we sit next to in church, as well as to those that we work with every day. You see, when others see our intentional care, they'll be drawn into a greater relationship with us, creating community. But I would say that also they are drawn back to the source, back to God. John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Others around us will know uh, Jesus because of our authentic and generous love. And as his disciples, we are to be his vessels to our family members, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to those who represent both political parties, to those who bag your groceries, to those that you cross by in the street, to those who represent KU or to those who represent K-State, to those who, who might represent Texas like Paul does. I don't know, you know, still love him, okay? Um, but we st- are still called to love one another, to be messengers of that love, of that relentless love. See, at the same time, loving, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, and you're probably asking too, loving others is risky. It can burn you out. And there are times that we need to have limits so we don't burn ourselves out. And we need to shield ourselves from getting hurt because others may try to exploit how we love. But I would say that, honestly, at the same time, we as a people, I think we exploit our own fear. We exploit our own apathy. And we use that as an excuse. So no matter how you look at it, though, love is risky. It will never be easy. It it will never be cheap of our time and our, our resources in order to really invest in others. John, Jesus said, lastly, in John thirteen thirty four, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, 
So you must love one another. Well, as we looked today, so we look as God as our, the source, as we look to His heart, and we look to the generosity of Jesus Christ and how He has loved us. It's natural that we respond. And that if we respond to Jesus Christ, then what? His love then resides in us. His heart becomes our heart. His desires become our desires. But it doesn't stop there. What happens then is that we are called to love one another. To be generous with our love. To love others. To serve others. And as we look at these one another's this summer, what it means to care for one another, what it means to support one another, what it means to just even greet one another. As you have your name tags, you can greet one another. We're going to have name tags in the next several weeks. We can do that in love. If you would open up your program as well today. In there is a resource that I'd love to just draw your attention to. Here are quite a few of the one another's that we're going to be doing this summer. And I hope that you put this in your Bible. Um, use it as a reference. Use it as a bookmark, whatever it might be. But use it. That as we look at as building a greater community as a church, as the body of Christ, as Christ has loved us, we desire as a church to love truly one another. And so my prayer is that each week, we might even have some tangible ways that we can love one another. Let us end in prayer. Lord, gracious God, we thank you that you are love. That you desire a greater relationship with us. But that you also call us to go ahead. To be your hands and to be your feet. To imitate you. To love others, to serve others, to encourage, to strengthen. Lord, help us to be your vessels, to be your messengers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.